0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of APIs Unplugged. My name is Matt McClarty. I'm the global leader of API strategy for MuleSoft. And with us today, as always, Mr. Mike Amundsen. Mike, what's going on?
1: Hey, good to hear your voice, Matt. Not much. We're uh, doing fine here at uh, Research Central here in Kentucky. Uh, The weather's decent. I'm looking forward to a happy spring. Uh, I'm ready to go.
0: Awesome. Well, it's a gorgeous sunny day here in Vancouver, uh, which is always nice. Uh, But we're not necessarily doing so well here with COVID. We've had the variants hitting us, and so I, like many of my neighbors, am just inside, uh, looking out at the sun. But hang in there. We're going to get through. We're going to get through it. Ah. So today's topic uh, is one that I think you know, Mike. I think you would you would echo this, right? We. We work on a daily ba- basis with organizations, especially large organizations, who are looking to take advantage of APIs for uh, business transformation, for organizational transformation. And you know, one of the big challenges they have is how do you how do you make a change that's a lasting change across right. a large, complex organization? And one of the things that has been you know, one of, one of the topics that's been popularized or terms that's been popularized is this notion of a center for enablement. And, you know, it's something that, Mike, I know you and your co-authors in the Continuous API Management book talked about. Yep. It's certainly a concept that we at MuleSoft are big proponents of. And so we've got an awesome opportunity today with our guest, Leslie Wright, who is the API Center for Enablement Manager at Truist Bank. And she's gone through the experience of bringing APIs into a large, complex organization and using this c free approach. So Leslie, welcome to APIs Unplugged.
2: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I've always enjoyed listening to your podcast on LinkedIn, and I'm honored to be a guest today. So thank you for inviting me.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. So, you know, we always do this with our guests because uh, I think that it's fair to say the API community, if there's, if we can call it that, kind of this global community of people who are interested in APIs, who probably that's that's our listening group, right, so is always expanding, and I think we see lots more roles where people are becoming stakeholders in the API space, um, and and it's always interesting to hear people's backgrounds and how they got into APIs. So so what was your path that led you to become manager of the C4E at Truist?
2: Sure. So I began my career as a developer, uh, later moved into an architect at one of the big five consulting firms. And then about 17 years ago, I joined SunTrust Bank and I joined as an architect, as a software architect. And I had the benefit of working as an architect across various LOBs. And that gave me the opportunity to not only refine my technical and architectural skills, but also to really understand the business of the bank and to build networks um, with different teammates across all of these different parts of the organization. And when the bank decided to embark on its API journey, uh, they began looking for somebody to kind of stand up and operationalize our API Center for Enablement or C4E and they were looking for somebody that had a background similar to mine, which was somebody that had a technical understanding, but also understood the organization and had built relationships across those various parts of the bank in order to facilitate bringing the API journey to bear for the organization.
1: Now, I have to say, um, it's in your title, you know, it's on the tin, as they say, and, and Matt's used this term as well, this idea of uh, center for enablement, which has become a pretty popular term. I think, you know. As Matt mentioned, we've we've seen this pattern several times in large scale organizations, and like microservices and monoliths, center for enablement, uh, center of excellence. These words are kind of juxtap- juxtaposed. So, why why is it important to use this this uh, this phrase center uh, uh, for enablement, and what does that really mean inside your organization? What's going on there?
2: Sure. So. We had many, many COEs within the bank, and that was really the focus that we had taken for many years, um, having that center of excellence for whatever the topic may be. And we realized with APIs that we did not want to be a centralized team, that but instead we wanted to enable teams across the organization to build out these API assets. Um, that we wanted to enable the organization, not just from a technology perspective, but also across all of the core stakeholder groups, whether it was risk, security, ops, business partners, to really fully understand why we were undergoing this digital transformation through APIs and how they were part of that solution. So anytime we embarked upon a socialization or evangelism campaign, Whenever we went to meet with different teams across the bank, we always spent time focusing on the E to make sure people people understood we were there to be an enabler to help them grow and mature, um, versus trying to be a centralized team delivering that capability.
1: Yeah, so so I think that's sort of the nub of of, of what I've seen in so many places. So you're you're, you're basically saying that your job is to actually. Enable whatever the tasks are at hand. Right, you're not telling people what to do. You're, I mean, sometimes we've heard this said. You're sort of asking people, "What do you need in order, in order to, in order to do your job?" This, this can't be easy, right? This is, this is not a technical, this is not a technical choice. This has a lot to do with culture and all these other things as well, right?
2: That is absolutely correct. And we were very lucky that our executive sponsor understood from the beginning that what we were doing around APIs was not a technology play at all, but truly about shifting our culture and our processes um, in order to really change the mindset. So, at, from the very beginning, we set out with that in mind that while the technology aspect is obviously very important, um, without changing the culture, without in, you know, engaging with our key stakeholders, we would not be successful on our API journey. So we've definitely had a strong focus to address that part of the API uh, transformation that we underwent at the bank.
0: Wow. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's something that we, we, you know, we've certainly come to realize and, and we hear a lot and it's great. I th- I think you would probably say recognizing that early, right. Is fundamental in terms of you know if 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 there were no people, change would be easy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's, it's, it's those darn so people get in the way. But I think
0: <laughs> a, you know it's like it always reminds me of I don't know if you've read that uh, Daniel Kahneman uh, book, uh, was "Thinking Fast and Slow." A lot of great insights in there. But you know he's he basically is, I think he won the Nobel Prize for economics or something because yeah. he basically said you know all economic theory up to this point is flawed because it assumes that people are rational creatures. So that that's always something that, that sticks with me and, and <laughs> I think it's helpful. But I think going, going to this, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, culture and organizational, you know, pe- effecting change through people, I think, you know, I, I find there's sort of that first step, even, which is like, you know, what are we trying to do? So the business that that Mike and I are in is all about API strategy and API programs, and I believe that that you and the, the truest team have, have talked about this concept of API program. It's always interesting to me how many different flavors of API strategy and API programs there can be, because there's lots of lots of different span of, of definitions. Anywhere from an API strategy being about launching a new product that's an API, right through to an API strategy being about changing the way. That, that systems are architected and things are built so for for truest you know how do you define what what is the the term api strategy what does the term api program mean at truest
2: So, at Truist, we definitely had a focus on our API strategy, and that focus was separate from our approach to our API program. Um, From an API strategy perspective, one of our primary objectives was to tie our API strategy to our business strategy. So, given the different disruptions that are occurring across the financial landscape today, uh, we understood that we needed to leverage APIs to enable us to not only um, survive a disruption, but to be a disruptor and to be a leader in the financial services space for the US. So as we worked to define our API strategy, we really focused on how we could leverage our APIs to support our digital transformation, how we could leverage it to break down our monolithic applications into composable uh, artifacts that could be easily reused across the enterprise so that we could offer new business capabilities um, to our clients. From an API program perspective, what we focused on more there was around more of the technology, uh, platform, processes, governance, and ensuring that we had people appropriately trained to support uh, the strategy through the program.
0: Cool. So it's a, a, so there really was a conscious sort of split between, like, this is the business focus around the strategy and the program. Again, this theme of center for enablement, you know, the enabling technologies the enabling processes and governance in place to make it you know create it's, it's kind of like the uh uh you know what's the i, I forget where the quote came from but I, I always think about it when i think about programs in large organizations where farmers don't grow crops they just create the conditions for for crops to grow so the pro the program is like creating the conditions for the strategy to grow is that <laughs> am i being too corny there
2: <laughs> Not at all. Um, and I think you're absolutely correct. I mean being in the being the C4e, um, helping to drive that strategy, engaging the stakeholders across the bank who had a, a say in what our strategy should be was very important. Um, another key aspect of our strategy was around risk management. So I think traditionally, when you think about APIs and you think about a C4E, it's usually around the production, consumption, management, and reuse of APIs. But for us, one of our number one priorities for our API program was to manage the risk of APIs. Uh, being a bank, there was a very strong focus on APIs from a risk perspective, but for both internal and external APIs And so that was actually our number one priority of the program was to ensure that everything we set up from a governance perspective, from a training perspective, and even from socialization perspective was done in such a way that we were effectively managing that risk.
1: So, so this is, this again, uh, uh, is something that, that Matt and I have experienced before, and you're, you're really kind of bringing this out you, Even even, you know, despite whatever the technology or whatever the strategy was, you had some guideposts for you. Risk was fundamental. Right. So this was sort of a principle that kind of guided you through through a lot of these elements. Now, the thing that 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 strikes me and, and, you know, from what I know about Truist itself, it's, it's, it's you have a very large organization. You mentioned it earlier. Lots of lines of businesses, lots of teams, all sorts of stakeholders. Um, you had to marshal an awful lot of this. So, so even if even if organizations you know can get one program, one strategy cooking, you had to have several of these. How how did you go about scaling this kind of enablement across uh, all these different lines of business, all these different organizational elements that you that you have there? At Truist?
2: So, as I mentioned before, we really started from the people and culture and process perspective over the technology. So, we identified what we refer to as C4E champions in various parts of the bank. And these were people who were influential in their respective organizations um, who were open to the idea of APIs and what that can mean for the bank. So we started our conversations with these individuals, and then they would go back to their their particular teams and talk about what they had learned from us. And as we started to build that ground level of understanding and awareness, then we would reach out to the team and have a larger discussion around APIs and our API journey and what it meant for that particular area of the bank. Um, Through those conversations, we were then able to identify teams who would likely be good candidates to federate Um, and by federate what we mean for federation at truest is we are enabling teams delivery teams to take complete ownership of their api asset so from identification design development deploy prod support all of that would belong to that federated team so we identified a subset of teams who we thought would be great candidates to go through our process first And we started out with a very robust training approach. So not only did we leverage uh, a 40-hour class from our platform vendor, we also then created out of the C4E bank-specific training. Uh, So these were trainings that we created with how we wanted APIs to be implemented at the bank following our architectural best practices and and standards. So after we provided our federated teams with that bank-specific training, we then aligned them with an API coach. So within the C4E, we have two roles. There's a, an analyst role and there's a, a coaching role. And our API coaches are people who are experts on, we leverage the MuleSoft platform, so they are experts on the MuleSoft platform, as well as experts on API design and development. And we align our coaches to these federated teams to really be more of a consultant to them. We tailor our engagement based off the maturity of the team. So for teams who are brand new to the concept of APIs and brand new to the platform, our coaches become almost like a de facto team member, helping them with their technical design, helping them develop and debug, and then eventually deploy into production. For teams that maybe had experience on APIs, but not necessarily on this particular platform, Our coaches were more aligned from um, a consultant-type perspective. So they didn't sit with them every day, but they had frequent touch points to make sure they were staying aligned to our our standards and best practices. And we have an exit strategy. So once a team has deployed two to four APIs into production, our coaches go through a list of criteria that we, we created to determine if that federated team has matured enough, if they have the right characteristics of a team that can operate without a coach. And once they meet those criteria, they are then uh, free of the coaching engagement and we only engage with them from a governance perspective um, going forward.
1: That is what you just described to me is the first time I've heard someone sort of recognize this notion that you have sort of different levels of maturity, different levels of experience, even across the organization. So your enablement is not monolithic, right? Your enablement is tuned to the needs of particular teams. I love, and I love this strategy, this exit strategy idea. Um, so you really end up going through this process of, hands-on to consulting to sort of like, we're here to help if you need kind of thing. Is this, is this something that, you know, I've read about this kind of stuff, but this is sort of what you mean by federation, right? Is this notion of, of this loose federation of, of, uh, of sort of teams. How, how did you even get this started? I mean, is this something that came natural? You just knew ahead of time because of your experience in this? You know, you knew this is how you want to do it, or did you have to kind of experiment a bit? How did that play out? Finding all these different levels of maturity inside your your
2: large organization. Well, we def- definitely did not know this at the beginning. It was more of a lessons <laughs> learned by federating a couple of our initial teams. So we were able to take those lessons learned and revise um, our our federation onboarding process. And we knew we needed to have a process because, again, going back to the risk issue there was a lot of concern of moving away from a centralized enterprise team to a federated team that maybe the quality would not be the same. Maybe we would accidentally, you know, have data lead the bank that we didn't want. So Mm -hmm. because of that risk focus, we knew we needed to have a very well-structured and managed onboarding process. And that's why we created our own bank-specific training that's aligned to our integration standards and our architectural Mm -hmm. standards. Um, And it's also why we aligned coaches because we wanted to ensure when these teams are out on their own designing and building APIs, we want to ensure that they are well-trained and they fully understand Uh, what they're doing, both from an API perspective as well as from the platform. Now, I can say um, we did initially select our first few federated teams with the focus of them being partners as we worked through this process. So they were very open. They gave us candid feedback on our process, and we did tweak it as we went along. And initially, we did not have an exit strategy. Um, Our thought was that once a team deployed two to four APIs into production, they would be able to be self-sufficient. They would have learned enough during that time frame. But what we learned on our pilot team, and our pilot team agreed, that even after they deployed their first few APIs into Prod, they were not ready to be without a coach. And while that team was very open and, and wanted to continue our engagement, we knew that there would be teams in the future who probably would not be ready, but would not want to continue. So we wanted to make that exit objective, which is why we captured those characteristics and then judge every team against those characteristics before we allow them to move forward without a coach.
0: This is so good. Like, I think I'm struck by the same things Mike mentioned. I have to say even the term API coach and that just the the role that that evokes, I think is so good. Uh, it's it's a great term for the role. I think, though, you know, what really strikes me is we, we often uh, will be working with companies and we talk about this notion of API as a product, you know, you need to think about your APIs like products. And and that's an easy conversation with companies who are, who are exposing their APIs to the outside world to kind of get it. It feels like, you know, a lot of those best practices that we talk about around designing APIs, like putting yourself in the consumer's shoes, having, having empathy there, the importance of developer relations, like you've really built that model and codified that model for what's you know a, a lot of internal APIs here, right? You you are really segmenting your your consumers, or or at least your your the clients of the C e You've been empathetic in saying, you know, it's not we're not just going to throw this out and, and have them figure it out. We're going to be by their sides to help teach them to fly, and, and and so like it's just like it's like API program as a product. Almost.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, I I just I think it's. I think it's uh, uh, just an amazing, uh, you know, what you've just described there. So, but but you also mentioned one other thing when you when it came down to the metrics around, you know, we we look at once they've launched this many APIs, we feel like they're kind of usually ready to fly on their own. Um, and this is a big topic for for API programs that we see is, you know, you have the business strategy, you've got the obstacles in your way. How do you measure success like what are the indicators you look for to make sure things are progressing well um, and probably in your case you'd have you might have different metrics for different teams but you know the notion of kpis for apis is 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 quite a discussion point we've heard of for a while how's that working how are you um, you know what kpis are you using how do you come up with the kpis I'm just really interested in how things are measured
2: So when we first started thinking about KPIs, we were very early in our API journey. Um, We did not have a single federated team. I don't even think we had an API in production (laughs) yet at the bank. But we knew that it was important to identify KPIs and to track those. So our initial set of KPIs were very basic. Um, You know, how many APIs are being created by LOB? What's the reuse on those APIs? What's the time to market Um, on the API development lifecycle. And in theory, those APIs don't really capture the true value, right? Having a large number of APIs is not the goal. The goal is to have APIs that drive business value. Mm -hmm. But we felt that in the beginning, those metrics were important for us to track because we were just beginning. Um, As we've matured, we've revised our KPIs, and we've actually organize them into, um, I guess you could say, subsets. So, we track Mm -hmm. business value for our KPIs. We track how the C4E is performing and how we're moving federated teams through the process. We track data and risk uh, and security KPIs. We also have an aspect around ops, Mm -hmm. um, as well as with on our platform. So, we've grouped the, the KPIs into those. And then we create uh, reports based off those KPIs that then get shared up to our uh, senior level management.
1: So again, I, I, one of the things I'm, I'm getting on this is you you sort of you enlisted a, a, a team that was willing to try, willing to actually consult to you, give you feedback. You started with a set of uh, of KPIs, and then you found you know you had to tweak, you had to iterate, you had, you had to change along the way. This is exposing another thing that i think is a real key and that is that that willingness to set out in a direction sort of navigate the best you can and then pay attention to what's around you and adjust that i mean are there big pitfalls here are there things it sounds like you've kind of broken these into small enough units that you didn't have to make any big bets there weren't any, any major uh, major catastrophes, but are there things that you think could have been done differently? Is there another story somewhere that you're not telling us? Was there this huge disaster that you papered over? Or is it really just this careful step at a time that that, that you're talking about?
2: <laughs> well, that's a good question. And uh, I, I'm not papering over anything. Fortunately, <laughs> we did not have any major major issues. Um, you know, we were very fortunate that we had phenomenal partners across all of the key stakeholder groups. So our risk partners, our security partners, enterprise architecture, all these different stakeholder groups were part of the process. And when you have that many people with that many different perspectives, you know, providing you input, it's really a lot easier to come out of the gate with a good approach. So I felt like, or I feel like from my perspective, even though we're talking about the C4E, it was really a bank-wide effort, and it took everybody's input to make us be as successful as we've been. Um, Now, we did obviously have some lessons learned, and there were some items I wish we could have done differently. Uh, I think for us, the biggest struggle we had wasn't even about APIs per se or about the platform but about our pipeline. And it was really out of our control. Um, we had an enterprise set of tools for the pipeline. Uh, DevOps was a new concept to uh, Heritage Sun Trust. So we stood up a pipeline, we defined the processes, it worked with our platform, everything was going smoothly. And then we had a merger. And as part of the merger, a new set of pipeline tools were selected, um, which unfortunately were different than the tools we were leveraging. But because of our very aggressive dates for our merger, we did not have the capacity to change our tool set. And so we were trying to federate teams on a tool set that was now outdated per our new enterprise direction for DevOps. And that turned out to be a tremendous struggle. Um, We lost some of our federated teams because they did not want to have to support two different pipelines. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, if we could do anything differently, it would have been able to have shifted to the new enterprise tools for our pipeline that we use to support our mule code. And that would have helped tremendously for our federated teams.
1: Yeah. So I I think you, you, you sort of... These are, this, is, this is a great example again. There are things that happen outside of your control, right? And, and you take those and you do what you what you can. But I, I think over and over again, what we've seen successful companies do is the same idea of constantly tweaking, constantly iterating, and then having that hindsight to say next time or if we did it differently. It's it's really an, an encouraging uh, story. I, I love the way I will love the way this sounds. It's fantastic.
0: Wow. Yeah I I think that the the what's great is clearly uh, Truist has a very mature API program but I love how you've been describing kind of the learning journey and uh which I think is really important to our listeners out there who are on a similar journey maybe at an earlier part uh but but I think the thinking behind the approach is really coming through which is really helpful so I'm asking the the big loaded questions uh I, talk, I talked about API strategy, API programs being these overloaded terms. Uh, governance, you know, I, I, I always like to say governance is a four-letter word, right? <laughs> and I think uh, I, you know when it comes to API governance, we've seen that term slapped on all sorts of different areas of of you know considerations for APIs. But you know, especially kind of linking back to the the discussion around KPIs and how you're using those, um, you know what what's the experience? How do you kind of, how do you affect governance? Like what are the most important areas of governance and how are you able to get the right level of governance? Because the reason I I said is a four letter word, a lot of times when people are, let's say overly enthusiastic about governance, they can sometimes introduce something that's bogs the organization down, which goes counter to the whole point of moving to this new digital approaches and API. So, so, you know, what's, What's that experience been like in terms of, of governing? Because I know it's a fundamental part of your program.
2: So I would say you're correct. Uh, governance definitely is a four-letter word at the bank. And because of that, we've been very cognizant as to how we stood up our API governance approach. Um, our goal, and I and I usually refer to them as guardrails versus governance, but our goal was to set up lightweight guardrails so that our teams could go as fast as they wanted but didn't drive into the ditch. Um, And that's really how we approached governance. And we started out with only API product governance, and that was our, our core focus initially. And again, that goes back to the risk discussion, because there was a lot of concern on the risk that APIs posed. We started our focus there first, and we worked to identify where are the key checkpoints along the way so that we do need to check make sure teams aren't deploying something into production that could be harmful to the bank or harmful to our clients. And that's really how we started our approach. And we really focused on keeping it as light as possible. What we uncovered, though, as we moved down our maturity path with governance is that as we started to think about external-facing APIs and there were different teams involved, there a lot started to be some disagreement about who owned what parts of governance. So we took a step back and we approached it from the 4P perspective. So program, portfolio, product, and platform governance. And we broke out our governance program into those four areas to help with ownership and enforcement, um, but still providing that oversight lightweight, um, across the enterprise.
1: So again, you, even, even at this, this level of guardrails or governance or, 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 leadership, however you explain it, you had a model, you had a kind of a, 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 a set of waypoints along the way, these four P's or whatever it are that sort of help you adjust based on needs, uh, on front end, back end middleware as well. Right. So, there, again, this is just another level of thinking, an additional way of, of thinking about this whole thing. So I have to ask the, the other sort of big question is, is, I, know is I, I know Truist as a kind of a new thing, right? I know SunTrust. Uh, I live here in Kentucky. We have BBT and Bank up here as well. But Truist was kind of created from SunTrust and BBT. How are APIs helped in that whole process of bringing Truist to life?
2: But I would say that APIs have been critical in helping us meet our very aggressive CD1 delivery dates. And the reason is when you combine two very large banks, right, you have surviving ecosystems and surviving applications, and you have to figure out how do I connect all of these various applications in a very short time frame. Um, And we were able to leverage APIs to do that and honestly I don't know that we would have been able to have met our dates without APIs available to us
1: and and, and that's because the APIs were literally the glue was it was it the API themselves or was it actually just your culture because you have culture clash as well in this merger right it, it, it can't be just I mean it's got to be a combination of several things right
2: Yes, that's correct. And we were very fortunate. I think a lot of times when you do have a merger of two companies, there are culture issues, cultural issues. But I would say I've been very impressed with how well the technology teams, at least, have really merged together. Um, when I first met my future teammates from BB&T, uh, they had the same mindset. They really wanted to do the right thing for the bank. And we all work together in a collaborative manner to figure out how do we embrace APIs across this new organization. Who do we need to train that hasn't been trained yet from the BB&T side? And everybody was was all hands on deck. Um, we were able to leverage some of the APIs that we had built at Heritage SunTrust, and then we're building new APIs as Truist. and we have support across both Heritage organizations to to do mm-hmm. that, and that's been very helpful.
0: I love that. I love I love the fact that. Um... You know, we can, so you can talk big picture notionally, strategically, you know, the I'm sure the big vision of the combined organization. And and we often talk about facilitating mergers and acquisitions as a way of, you know, especially in the digital space, capitalizing on on shared opportunities, on on you know, one plus one equals three type opportunities. And that's all heady stuff. But when it comes down to making it real, like when the rubber hits the road, there are all sorts of Regulatory deadlines, things that are unmovable, and so the fact that you were able to leverage the work that was done, as well as as Mike pointed out, the kind of culture that had been built up around this API led approach, uh, that helping actually hit real deadlines for for the creation of Truist is just awesome. So, Leslie, uh, I, I this has been awesome. Um, we've I, I think Mike would agree, like. Learned a lot here. Really impressed by uh, not just the maturity of the program, but all the the real thinking behind it, the understanding behind it. So it's been a it's been a real pleasure.
1: Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate being able to share our journey from Truist. So thank you.
1: It's been great. It's it's an excellent it's an excellent example of of constantly living through this process. And I think this is one of the best sort of enablement uh, discussions I think we've had in in, in quite a while. So I really appreciate it. It's really been fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, Hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have. I'm sure you will. And we look forward to uh, having you join the next episode of APIs Unplugged. Thanks.